from Auto Finance News since 1996, the nation's leading newsletter on automotive lending and leasing. It is Tuesday, August 17th, and I'm Joey Pizzolatto, editor of Auto Finance News, and I'm joined by Amanda Harris, associate editor. This is our weekly wrap for what happened in auto finance for the week ending August 13th, 2021. As always, I want to thank Auto Finance News advertisers, Alpha, Dealer Track, Defy Solutions, and Walters Kluwer for their continued support. In economic news, inflation remains top of mind for customers and lenders with, cons with the consumer price index in, ju in July increasing 0.5% from June and 5.44% from a year ago. Prices for food, energy, and shelter and new vehicles contributed to the gain, according to the most recent Labor Department data. Supply shortages continue to plague nearly every industry, also contributing, which also are contributing to rising prices. In some general finance, finance news, banks are preparing to lend more in the coming months by selling off short-term loans originally issued, issued to fund leverage buyouts, contributing to the highest level of activity in short-term bridge loans on the bond market since before the pandemic. Wells Fargo, for example, is selling a $1.5 billion short-term facility to investors involved in the Gray Television's acquisition of Meredith Corp's broadcast stations. Citigroup Two is selling a $400 million loan to help finance Warbird Pincus's acquisition of subprime auto lending company Exeter Finance. The deals create a mutually beneficial transaction for both investors and companies. In the auto industry, electric vehicle startup Lordstown Motors is not letting high costs for tools, research, and development deter plans to start to start limited production on its debut electric pickup in September. The company is leaning on its strong liquidity standing, which is expected to be between 225 million and 275 million in cash and cash equivalents at the end of, of the third quarter, along with a fully commissioned battery line and production ready plant. Before consumers, consumer deliveries can begin, Lordstown will need to get the proper regulatory approvals and vehicle validation. Turning to auto finance, this week was marked by more funding news, some positive trends in rideshare, and a peek at one of auto lending's plans for returning to office and vaccine, one auto lender's plans for returning to offices and vaccine requirements. Amanda, I know Consumer Portfolio Services announced a recent funding action during their Q2 earnings report. Um, so why don't we dive into that first? Sure. Um, so we've been talking about how cost of funds have been really low. Uh, for a while now. Um, so Consumer Portfolio Services or CPS uh, did benefit from that recently. So essentially what they did was they used um, residual interest that they retained from securitizations from January 2018 to September 2020. Um, they, you know, they're, they're required to retain a certain amount. So they had a little extra. Um, so they were able to sell $50 million in notes um, and they were 7.86% notes that were backed by those residual interests. Uh, basically it let them uh, raise $50 million in, in additional capital. Um, they're doing this when they're also, you know, pretty strong still on the liquidity side. So basically it's just another way uh, to make sure they're in good standing. Um, especially while cost of funds are for so low and will probably be for the foreseeable future. 
Um, so it was just kind of an interesting, um, you know, thing that kind of stood out to us. Again, just talks to kind of where the ABS market is right now. We just did a, a feature on how good the ABS market is and has been and probably will be for, for a long time, especially in auto, because auto has been um, always very well performed and obviously it's backed by a vehicle. Um, so investors really still um, really go toward that market um, and we're seeing that still. So there was just an example of, of how that and the low cost of funds are kind of driving some lenders to have additional capital, um, which will go toward, you know, their whatever they, they may be doing, expansion, things like that. Um, so yeah, that just kind of uh, talked to their liquidity standing. They also had a really good quarter for um, specifically their auto originations. Um, so they did see an increase of 39% uh, from last quarter and 110% from last year. Obviously with the pandemic, we know those numbers are gonna be really high, <laughs> um, but the fact that it went up sequentially too, um, and is sitting at about 286 million um, at the end of the second quarter. Um, so overall, I mean, a pretty good standing for them. Their outstandings also are over 2 billion, uh, which was a slight decrease from last year. Um, but still standing, you know, pretty high. And they're continuing to see their legacy portfolio kind of amortize off. Um, so that kind of plays into some of that too. Um, uh, credit performance too, still very strong. So net charge off still uh, doing really well. Delinquency is still down um, from both a quarter standpoint and from uh, last year. Um, and recovery rates, just like we've been talking about, um, also really strong and, and are increasing um, there as well. Uh, so yeah, just kind of a look at a pretty decent quarter for them. Right, right, right. We also looked into um, ride sharing and ride ride hailing um, industry to see kind of how that's bounced back um, after the pandemic. You know, our what 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 do we find there? Like our consumers back into ride sharing. You know, we as you know, we did the the feature at the beginning of the year um, in January about kind of how consumers were very much flocking back to kind of this this ownership um, of vehicles um, in line of the pandemic. So so what are we seeing there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so back earlier this year and right after the pandemic, pretty much until like recent months, um, we were seeing, you know, delivery was kind of upholding like companies like Uber and Lyft. They so they've done done well, but it's it's been because people are delivering uh, you know, food or different items. I get food delivered almost every day to my house, sadly. Um, I'll find multiple times a day. I don't like the grocery store. Um, but so that was kind of propping them up for a long time. Now we're kind of starting to see the like more core business coming back a little bit. So as the economy like reopened, um, you know, people are starting to go out a little bit more. They're traveling a little bit more again. They're going, events are coming back. So I know like some concerts, I know Broadway's like kind of is restarting. Um, so as those kind of things are returning, uh, we are seeing like active riders, which you know, that really is the indication that people are using these services to get in a car and go somewhere. Um, so those actually went up at both Uber and Lyft for the quarter. Uh, so just to give a little bit of perspective to it. So at Lyft, they did see a 97% year over year jump and a 27% jump from last quarter on their number of active riders um, to 17.1 million. And then Uber on their monthly active platform consumers, which includes both their riders and their delivery users, uh, jumped 84% year over year to about 101 million um, in the second quarter. Uh, so we are seeing that kind of rebound. Uh, now with the caveat that Delta variants 
um, could throw a wrench in that. I, I don't think a lot of places are talking about shutting down again, um, but I know like some places are postponing events again. Um, you know, they're requiring certain safety measures that maybe people don't want to have to do to go to like these certain things. Um, so that could impact uh, rideshare kind of you know going forward, but it does seem like it's kind of come back or at least normalizing um, after really dropping quite a bit. I don't know if that'll mean that they move away from, I think delivery will still end up being their main driver, at least for the rest of this year until a third round of vaccines or something like that goes out because booster shots are being talked about. Um, so we'll kind of have to see if their business model kind of changes back or not. But. Right, right, right. Well, I definitely think, you know, nothing, I think it's fair to say, right, that nothing has changed from what we wrote. Well, not, not nothing, but what we wrote, you know, back in January, I don't think consumers all of a sudden are going to be like, well, I don't need my car anymore. So we're, we're, we're just going to lean on Uber. So, I mean, like, like Brian Allen said, you know, back in January when we spoke with him, a lot, a lot of these ride, ride hailing things are, are used to, like you said, go to shows, um, go to the bar, go to dinner, um, when you don't want to drive or you don't want to have to park, um, definitely isn't going to, you know, replace, um, any kind of, you know, consumer preferences to have their own vehicle in their own space. Um, but it definitely will be interesting to see how increases in riders funnel or fuel uh, vehicle purchases for those gig drivers, right? So we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that uh, going forward. Um, but that segues nicely um, into our last kind of uh, point of discussion today. And that was the news that Capital One um, has delayed their return to office plans until November 2nd amid uh, growing uncertainty with the Delta variant. Um, they are the first lender, auto lender really, to um, uh, require proof of full vaccination through their initial reopening period. And that will go through the first quarter of 2022, um, at the very least. Um, unvaccinated employees will continue to work remotely. Um, and just to give like a general estimate, um, how many in-office uh, employees Capital One has in the U.S., but we're looking at about 30,000. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, one, one, one thing that we're going to have to keep an eye on um, is, you know, what is going to happen in the fall with the Delta variant? Um, and, you know, how is this going to impact, uh, you know, lenders' mandates um, for their return to office? And, and how will this change? You know, one thing Capital One did note is that you know, they, they are still undecided whether or not the initial reopening period will end at the end of the first quarter and also whether or not they will mandate um, mandatory vac vaccinations for people returning to office. If that will be a long-term uh, strategy or just, you know, something short-term for that initial reopening once, you know, hopefully the Delta variant kind of, you know, calms down a little bit. Uh, so definitely something that we will continue to be watching. Um, you know, as, as things progress, um, what do we have, uh, for the rest of the week? Um, so we are, I'm got some power sport and news to come this week. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we also have a couple of other earnings reports. We have open lending, um, which should come, uh, today or early tomorrow. Um, and we just talked about the remote kind of in-office discussions. So we've got a best practices story about uh, customer service. 
uh, that'll be a really nice, um, good timing story for us. So that'll be up uh, soon as well. Um, so just kind of gives a glimpse a little bit into what some auto lenders are doing uh, just to make sure customers are still able to, to get their questions answered while everyone's still working remote. Um, lots of interesting new things, you know, that they've kind of done uh, over the past year. So those will be, those will be coming up. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks, Amanda, for joining me. And thank you all to, to all our listeners. Uh, please rate the roadmap on whichever platform you use to listen. Um, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter and um, check out uh, autofinancesummit.com and register if you had it. We're back in Vegas in October. Uh, so very much looking forward to seeing everybody there. Um, and thank you again for joining us on the roadmap. We'll see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next week.